Hello everyone, welcome to another weekly Azure update uh, here on Azure Centric. And first of all, I want to thank all of our subscribers, our new subscribers and all the people that they are seeing these in all the social media on Azure Centric or mine or everyone that's sharing and helping grow uh, the Azure Centric. Um, and thank you uh, for the feedback that yeah, we are receiving. So this week we have a plenty of agenda. Uh, with me, I have my partner in crime, uh, Andrew Lowe's, to talk about nice fixtures that was released this, this week um, and some cool new stuff, right, Andrew? How are you doing, my friends? Ah, oh, thank you, Marcos. Yes, uh, thanks for having me, as always. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to chat with you and all of our listeners here through Azure Centric. Exactly. So, yeah, we had uh, a really busy kind of uh, like a week and a half here. Um, there's a lot of stuff kind of on the menu here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also have uh, kind of an interesting one. So the first one is uh, AZ Predictor. And uh, I know it's not really a, an Azure uh, blog update, but it is an Azure update, it's for CLI. And uh, one of the things that's really exciting about this is, well, it does what it says, it predicts what we're typing. So uh, I've been using the inline uh, mode, you can also do list view, but uh, really just kind of for reference, um, it's a lot like the old uh, Visual Studio.net IntelliSense that we had. So we get a little bit of that in Visual Studio code. And, uh, you know, this is really, uh, it just keeps rolling forward. This is the next, uh, next stage, I think, uh, looking forwards. But uh, it's a really awesome feature because it tells us all of the parameters that uh, are commonly used based on what you type historically. So you can configure some options with uh, AZ Predictor and uh, it gets used to kind of your own history for what you usually use for parameters. So if you always use uh, like Canada East for uh, your location, it will automatically start to populate Canada East as your location uh, as you're typing uh, in CLI. So there's some really cool things. Um, What's one of the things that you liked about that? I know uh, we were both a little excited about this one. This yes, <laughs> I remember that that I did tell you say, hey, we should include this in our podcast because it's it's like you said really well. It's not related or it's not coming on Azure Block, but it's related to Azure and it's tacky and it's geek, right? The good thing I like about this is it sometimes and a lot of the, the, the listeners and the subscribers that they are uh, listening to this podcast or seeing this podcast on YouTube, um, they are starting to, to on PowerShell or probably they are starting PowerShell on Azure. Not starting PowerShell, but starting PowerShell on Azure. And I know that module mm -hmm. for module, it really differentiates. This is basically only for the Azure PowerShell module. So they have about 4,000 commandlets, as you see, or as you see on the on the blog post um, that they announced. But the the like the, the part that I like about this is a lot of those 
even on the new PowerShell commands or even on the new fixtures that they are re releasing, uh, there are some of those, those uh, things that they are mandatory. And what I love about this is, is show us what we, what is mandatory or not. In this case, in the example that you can see on the screen is creating a new uh, uh, Azure resource group. And the mandatory is the name and the location. Like you said, it, if we pre-populated and starting to using this and starting to configure that we want some of those things already pre-populated, like you said, the location, in this case, we just type new AZR and then we just use the tab and basically just need to give the name and that's it. And we create a, a resource group for this particular example. The good thing about that I, that I like about this, like you mentioned, for me, it's a little bit of a mixture of two things. Visual Studio Code, the IntelliSense that is brilliant, that I love on Visual Studio Code and a little bit of PowerShell IEC because in PowerShell IEC, exactly. it gives us a little bit of what you need to put it, but it's too much information. This is only the required information for you to create the object or to uh, exactly. run that script. And that's the part that I love about this. But again, this is only the starting. Um, uh, I We highly recommend you to just uh, search for this. There is some goals, there is some some examples that you can see on the block. And again, this is very early stages, but we already have about 4,000 command lines, right? Yeah, it, and that's a good point. So it, it is brand new, but uh, one of the really cool things, uh, and I think it's uh, part of, you know, why we do this chat is because, uh, you know, the, uh, the group that's producing this is looking actively for our feedback from, uh, from the Microsoft community. So uh, if you use this, you have suggestions, you have, uh, you know, it might be nice to mention the odd thank you for the teams as well. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to hear we're doing a good job. Uh, so, you know, check out their, check out their page, check out their post and, um, you know, down, uh, down towards the bottom, uh, they're looking for feedback. They have a little survey. So, um, you know, provide, provide a little bit of a, a thank you for them. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to produce uh, this kind of a product, this feature, and to make sure that all of the integration works. And if we don't thank these uh, hardworking folks, then they just don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know we appreciate it. So. <laughs> So I'm actually, uh, I do have that open and uh, I haven't submitted my uh, kudos for that team yet, but I think, uh, you know, a little uh, nod uh, for the team there, really well done. Uh, I look forward to seeing uh, future versions of this come out. It's very helpful for me. And I think um, one of the cool things too is, uh, sorry, I know I was about to wrap it up and I just thought, Marco, <laughs> Marco, I was just thinking, okay. um, if you're new to using the AZ commandlets, this is really cool because uh, you know you simply just start typing the commandlet that you're you're learning or you're going through, and uh, you can see what the required parameters are. So uh, it's another hands-on way that we can uh, do more learning. So uh, yeah, I'm going to play with it a little bit more, 
um, I know that uh, we're going to geek out a little bit with yeah, this one. Yeah. So I, I look forward to the next for version. For sure. And, and, and for all the people that they are listening and they are not seeing the screen, the, the link for you to just uh, submit that is aka.ms forward slash AZ predictor survey. Um, just go there. Um, uh, just you can always uh, come back and listen again um, the the podcast. But just just search it and give feedback because this is the part that I like about these last years of Microsoft is they listen what we are saying and and they really reply and they really like that uh, and that's that's a very good point of view. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's really quite community-based. And, uh, you know, in these early stages, when they're looking for feedback, we can help shape what the product ends up to yeah. be uh, when it comes out for full release. Yeah. So uh, I think it's really cool. And like you said, this is the new Microsoft. Um, and I think this is just how we all shine. So, uh, yeah, excellent. Okay. So moving forward, let's go to the next one. It's time for Geekness, right? So <laughs> uh, it's time for benchmarks and it's time to just blow our mind. So Microsoft this week just recently um, came up with a new small VM with about 86,400 for 86, cores. Something, <laughs> something small, right? That, that yeah. we need. Seven, 720 VMs. Uh, merged uh, it, uh, the HB V2 VMs uh, merged together to make yeah. 86,000 cores. I, it, that's crazy. It is. It is. It is absolutely amazing what these guys are doing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I really want to to try to put like uh, probably I will spend like a hundred dollars in the first three seconds uh, of spinning up these VMs <laughs> just for the fun, just for taking a very very quick. Um, print screen and say, look guys, look what I did. And just for playing Tetris or something like that, right? Because we need that amount of power. But just, just joke aside is, is unbelievable how Azure is doing this. Um, and, and a little bit of, of more specs that you can see on the screen, 720 nodes that will become one VM. In this case, the new way to do it, that is the NAMD. And it's basically for uh, bioscience, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I see over here, um, it's for, for bioscience. So it's the first cloud. They, they say over here that um, it's the first cloud, one terabyte second, parallel file system one terabyte yeah, per great. second it's unbelievable what these guys are doing and and that's that's yeah, yeah. so the yeah and the, the blog post does detail the file system and uh you know they talk about it's running uh so basically spanned systems the same way we would uh span disks it's using 300 vms with 250 terabytes of NVMe storage, <laughs> and they're achieving 1.46 te 
terabytes per second of read performance and 456 gigabytes, not bits, bytes per second of write performance. Uh, yeah, my laptop can't do that. I don't know about uh, your, <laughs> your big beast, but uh, mine can run a lot of uh, Hyper-V systems at once. And uh, it's, I can't compete with that. 300 VMs, 250 terabytes of uh, uh, NVMe storage. And it's not only that. I, what do you say? You have, That's definitely You have like, if, if you read and you go into the details like, like we're doing right now, we have 287 terabytes of distributed memory. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 287 terabytes. <laughs> terabytes it's like yeah so, so this kind of ties in i think for the last uh really two or three weeks we've had different healthcare uh, yes. announcements kind of phasing yeah. in and as microsoft is growing in this vertical market and they're uh really creating uh and uh, what's the right word here maybe dedicating the these resources they're coming up with new creative ways that science and medicine can utilize Azure computing resources to further science. Um, this is amazing. Like this is amazing stuff. So it is the cloud's first terabyte per second parallel file system. So yet again, Azure's achieved another notch in the belt, another cloud first. What I like about this is, is, is showing that, that really Azure is leading the way on this type of, of, uh, high performance computing, right? And if you see this, this graph, um, it's like the highest on the other cloud, it's 12 times. So the, there is a graphic say that is they are above, they are below 10,000, okay? And in this case, cores, and they are achieving 86,400 cores on this NAMD. Um, and again, this is, this is going through why all of this, because Microsoft uh, is, is on uh, one of those um, conference that I would love to, to participate. That's called the Supercomputing 2020. And that's where they, they announced this. All of these big announcements with Azure H, uh, HPC and AI supercomputing, mm -hmm that they are helping um, us to just get a little bit closer to this end of the pandemic. And that's the part that I love about this. It's the efforts during these times of crisis. We already mentioned that, I think, a few uh, podcasts, uh, a few podcasts ago, that uh, the way that this changing our world and changing even our... Um, our technology, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and that's the part that, yeah, that I and like about Microsoft that. is really, yeah, yeah and uh, Microsoft is really right at the front line of that, um, you know, creating and providing these uh, immense, uh, is there a bigger word, uh, really immense yeah. uh, computing powers uh, and, you know, medical and uh, science uh, organizations, um, scientists, they're using these to do good things. Uh, so, you know, they're calculating things about the pandemic. They're using all of this compute, all of the data throughput to process 
different uh, feedbacks and different data sets that they've got so they can do advanced modeling. And, and instead of waiting a week, they're, uh, they're making sure that uh, we can, uh, you know, we can do this in a day uh, kind of a thing, right? So, you know, we read about the benchmarking uh, in that article. It was taking, I think, something like 640 VMs using 64 parallel processes per VM. Uh, and they were uh, uh, the 287 terabytes of distributed memory. Terabytes of di- <laughs> 287 yeah, terabytes. It's, it's unbelievable. It is. So yeah, it's very impressive, very amazing, um, and this uh, this really ties in uh, to our next one, kind of hand in hand, the Azure High Performance Computing at Supercomputing 2020. So again, the SC20 conference that you were talking about in the previous posting, this one is very much related. So they're talking about OpenAI, and they're talking about partnerships uh, in this one. Um, do you want to expand on this one a little bit? Yeah. So this this is the part that they are partnership, with, especially with with a lot of the COVID that is happening, um, and they were they already doing that. They have a lot of uh, things going on. Um, they partnership with AMD. It's one of the parts that now they're going. If I'm not mistaken, on the third generation that we that we not mentioned on the on the previous post that they are doing that, uh, going uh, with with um, the third generation of, of uh, AMDs, and they are just building all of this massive footprint to just help us uh, going on on this. So universities, uh, the example over here is, Dewey, is the Duke University uh, and the Convid uh, Moonshop on the UCB, um, that they are doing all of this to just become available. They are using, and if you read the, the, the blog post, is they are, they are using the NVV4 um, of mm-hmm. virtual machines, um, and they are using, the, of course, the graphical interface, not, sorry, the, the graphic process units, the GPUs of NVIDIA, yeah. to just realize that this is where they're going. Um, and that's and that's yeah, and where they are again, going on the, that, right? Yeah, and uh, I was just looking at that same post that you've got up there, and uh, the the throughput on these new uh, these A one hundred Tensor Core uh, GPUs, two hundred gigabits per second in FiniBand networking, uh, and that's on the NVIDIA hardware, the Azure ND V four one hundred VM. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is amazing. It is amazing what they are doing. And for us geeks, it's like, I don't think I'm going to have, uh, have, I don't know uh, what the future reserves, but it's it's amazing what they are doing. It's just literally blows my mind. And, 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 and it's great that we can see really the truly benefit of the cloud seeing uh, for these types of of, uh, of environments, right? That's that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that's a really good segue uh, talking about all these supercomputing uh, announcements and uh, almost really superpowers yeah. uh, when I when I think about 
how uh, how powerful and yet scalable all of these things are. So imagine, uh, you know, in Azure, we if we have a lot of um, um, uh, medical data to model. Uh, you know, you're not limited to one supercomputer, yeah. right? Uh, you're talking about Azure here, so uh, <laughs> I don't know how I can uh, think about that any differently. I need to get my whiteboard out, Marco. That's, That's what okay. I need to do. <laughs> so, continue, continuing <laughs> so, on this, last week we talked about uh, we talk about the networking. Just moving on, we're still on on infrastructure, but now moving on. Our good friend Mark Rusinovich, CTO of Azure, uh, released the part two um, of this of this great blog post um, and talking about the advanced global network. Uh, and now he shows one of the things that that um, shows really the benefit that they are doing regarding the networking. And uh, the first we talk about the backend route. I think it's. The, the intention of these two parts was uh, the backend at first, and then and then moving on, uh, doing the doing the the last mile, like like they like to say um, on the on this blog post. It's where he says about the last mile, the different Microsoft pops the 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 point of presence on internet. Um, and using the local ISPs to just optimizing what's called the last mile resilience uh, for the Azure peering service. Exactly. So for a long time, um, that last mile has been a bit of a challenge, especially in a larger uh, physical area country such as Canada. Um, especially in Canada. You know, we have... Especially in yes. Canada, I'm trying to be politically correct. I'm being Canadian, so we are Canadian, uh, but we are, you know we do, we need to we know what we need in our country, right? It's true. So uh, in Canada, you know, speaking very honestly, we do have some challenges with last mile, yes. and really, what we're talking about uh, with this blog post, what uh, 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 the post is about, is about BGP. So. Um, Providers, telecoms, have been using BGP, uh, Border Gateway Protocol, to route the most optimum routes for your data on that last mile. Uh, this is especially prevalent for commercial connections, office connections, uh, MPLS, that kind of a thing. But uh, now Microsoft is taking this a bit of a step further, where they're incorporating all of that information in how they also apply routing. So we're, we're really talking about the further optimization, more redundancy. So in part one, um, uh, you know, the article uh, part one spoke to using design principles, ensuring there was redundancy. We're choosing the most optimized paths. Now, uh, you know, they're using some uh, kind of fun acronyms in the article here. Uh, my favorite one is RADAR, the Route Anomaly Detection and Remediation. So uh, it's a lot like we were talking in last week's uh, kind of chat about that was, uh, you know, we spoke about the automated monitoring and then taking actions on that, right? So that's what that is, really. So, uh, you know, if one route is bad, we'll have a lower rating. It's going to use a different route. But then it's also going to look at the, the less good route and find, is there different 
optimizations that can be done in an automated way. Can something be fixed? Can it be rerouted in a different path uh, to achieve a better rating, lower latency, for example, and then become a more usable choice? So uh, it's, it's automating all of that, sending it to humans, to engineers when it's needed, uh, using software, logic, and functions, all of these things. So when we think about putting together the whole solution, uh, we're really utilizing an awful lot of logic and automation in these services and how they're being delivered. And I think it's kind of, to me, it's what Azure is. It, is. Uh, it allows, yeah. So uh, there's a really cool, if you go about halfway down in there, um, there's kind of a cool uh, diagram about the software-driven WAN, yeah. the SWAN. And I think that kind of shows it. So there's some different, uh, different routes available in that diagram and you know if something happens on one it reroutes to another yeah. and it's all it's things that happen uh you know for an isp for example on the internal infrastructure the actual physical wiring it happens automatically for the most part now but this is at a way bigger scale and the so interesting part over here is we we are not talking so on the first blog post uh, uh, or, or, or the previous week, the last podcast, we talk about this and we talk about on the black fiber on internal Microsoft, right? Uh, this one, it's not only Microsoft. Microsoft just goes to the pop, right? To the point of presence. Mm -hmm. That's where you start. So they mentioned that part. This, all of this, and I'm going back again to the to the beginning, all of this is the last mile. What the last mile means is, like you mentioned, the local ISP. So it's the effort that Azure, in this case Microsoft, is doing with the local ISPs to enable the BGP, in this case on their systems, to allow them to go on this very cool radar um, technology or radar uh, system. Uh, and to a software-driven uh, wide area network. So as as you mm -hmm. can as, as they can see the, the the listeners in in our podcast, if you are following us on YouTube, uh, you can see on the screen. Uh, you can look at the way that you can improve your service as a local ISP, right? And of course, at the end, it will it will magically happen for Azure as well, uh, because it's the point, it's the last mile of resilience that they need, because uh, if we have problems on your data center or on your connection to Azure and you are depending on that, guess what? The solution doesn't work correctly. And it's not like pointing pointing to the, to the cause, but they need to see end to end. And that's the part that, again, it's, it's really cool just to see how Microsoft, it's not only working on their side, but they are looking from since the customer until the, the really the rich, they see the whole picture. And, and yeah. those two blog posts just show what they are doing regarding that. That's pretty cool, right? Absolutely. So I think, you know, this, uh, you know, when I sit back and think, you know, um, I kind of I reread the conclusion a little bit here earlier, and 
I think it's really interesting. So this really speaks to me about how from Azure, but how uh, how Azure Microsoft responds to supporting yeah. uh, people consuming resources. So uh, I think about all the different uh, situations we've had for connectivity, and the re the reality is not every business has Express Route. Um, you know, a, a small business may utilize Azure services, but they may not be able to have Express Route. Maybe uh, you know lots of different reasons, right? So using VPN, using uh, simply an open internet connection to go to a remote desktop, for example. Yeah. So there's lots of uh, you know distributed challenges, and this is really going to help. Uh, I think the Microsoft engineers determine where a, uh, I don't want to say failure, that's not the word, but maybe a sticky point, maybe a problem, uh, and they can, they can identify it. And if it's on their side, uh, it will, you know, if not right away, they'll have automation in place to uh, heal that, to pick a different yeah, route, for example. Exactly. At um, least we have the resilience. Then, like you, you said. You, you probably don't have the, the fastest, but you have the resilience uh, of having that, way that you can achieve that yeah i absolutely agree with you and what is great is because like you mentioned express route it's not the solution i've been on 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 cost on organizations uh, that they have a very widespread uh, internet and when they are close to to pops different pops and one of the main pops in north america it's for example it's chicago um, when you are close mm -hmm. to the pop, uh, um, sometimes Express Route doesn't make any sense, uh, to be very honest. Uh, I've been benchmarked at the beginning. Yeah. For here in, 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 in Canada, it, it does make, especially on out of West, it does make sense to have ex kind of have Express Route, for example, instead of uh, uh, Azure VPN. Um, and the reason, of course, is uh, is the low latency because we are, we are yeah. close to the west at the centers than to the east. But our pop, we don't have as far as I know. And and please, if anyone knows, just tell us uh, on on a message, on shoot an email, or or a, um, in this case, any kind of Twitter. Um, just to tell us if there is any pop on out of West in Canada, especially. Yeah, Western Canada. Western yeah. Canada. And that, and that has been a problem that you and I oh, have yeah. had to address with businesses out West here. And uh, it, that latency is really kind of a bee in the bonnet, yeah. right? Um, it makes it feel slow and unresponsive. And it's not only that. So, we don't uh, have a data center challenge, yeah. in, in West, in Canada. Uh, our 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 Not region. That's right. It's yeah. Canada Central that is in Toronto, and Canada East yeah. that is in Quebec. Uh, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Have you ever seen the cost for an MPLS <laughs> from Calgary to Toronto? I have. Uh, yeah, it makes me want to run back out into the mountains. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and it's way cheaper. And then they cheaper. told me that was a monthly number. It's way cheaper to go, for example, to Seattle. That is when when is. Is one of it the is. regions, yeah. the the Calgary West, the, the not and Calgary West, but the the yeah. the U.S. West, either U.S. West or U.S. Yeah, West and too. there there is yeah, so there is some offerings in uh, Calgary from different ISPs. Yeah. I don't want to mention names. Um, 
I know that there's two offerings in Calgary for um, express route DMARCs, and the latency is maybe eight milliseconds faster uh, than uh, just using Azure VPN. Yeah. Uh, now, that was last year. I'm going to say it's been a year since I've done any benchmarking uh, partnered with an ISP on that. But, uh, you know, a year is a long time, so maybe things have changed a bit. But uh, it is a challenge. And, you know, there's different uh, areas, provinces, counties, and things like that where uh, Internet service, you know, we don't always have fiber. So a good example is, you know, I'm, I'm working from my home office a lot these days, of course, like everybody. And in my neighborhood here in the city of Calgary, I can't get fiber. So, uh, you know, there's these weird challenges. <laughs> yes. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for mine. I'm, to dig my own I, I'm waiting for mine. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, I learned a lot on this year to be patient. And, and uh, yeah, uh, doesn't matter. Okay, let's let, yeah, and and we're just home users. Exactly. So, yeah, let's talk about let's talk um, about the next one. Hybrid benefit. Exactly. This is for me. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, Azure ben Azure benefits now extends to Linux. Um, so this was one of the things that if you create VMs, especially on Windows, that you already have that, and especially of those organizations that have enterprise agreements, right? Uh, they can extend the licensing and make those VMs cheaper, running cheaper on Azure. So now they extend this um, on the on Linux, uh, and this this coming on the on the Kubernetes conference, uh, and they all have launched this close to the Kubernetes conference and Azure Open Day that was a few days ago. Great conference, by the way. Yeah. Um, and the reason that they are doing this, it's basically if it, there was a challenge uh, for organizations that they want to use Red Hat and SUSE and that they already have those licensing uh, with them and they are still valid to just going to the cloud. So the old times for mm. this is that you need to deploy your own image to just not having that cost, right? Otherwise, if you want yeah. to use the Azure Marketplace and the portal, to just deploy a VM with Linux, uh, the price is already included. So now you have the possibility of even those VMs getting cheaper because you already pay for the license. It's really great news. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, one of the other things that they highlight in this article, and uh, you and I ran into this last year on a project, um, Red Hat and SUSE support for Azure uh, so we can now get co-located technical support from Azure, Red Hat, and SUS. Uh, that's actually a very small little sentence, but a really big yeah. step <laughs> because uh, the support was a little bit uh, complex, I mean, I want to say, uh, before. Uh, so, you know, licensing is a very sticky thing. Uh, you have to make sure all of your licensing is well in order and well-documented so you can have your license numbers ready and you can call 1-800-HELP-ME and uh, they- I thought it was 1-800-ANDREW, no? <laughs> well, you can try, uh, I can, I can uh, so it's the same with networking as the way I, I think of, uh, you know, myself in Linux. I know enough to get into trouble and cause some problems. <laughs> so we can have some For fun. For sure, at least we can, we can help you 
dig in in your issue. We might not able to find a solution immediately, but we will find a solution uh, until so far. We will get there. That's the part right. that I like about right. this announcement yeah. that was hidden there, like you like you mentioned, is a recent um, a recent announcement that now for Red Hat and Seuss they have uh, mm. support for Azure Share Disks. And this is huge. Yeah. This is huge because now, uh, if you have a cluster, uh, you don't need to deploy uh, another cluster just for having those those file systems and failover clusters available on Azure. So now by simple having a shared disk among two VMs, you have all the failover that you need and it will simplify your deployment. And at the end, it will reduce your costs. Um, exactly. Another cost reduction. So the one that I got excited about was uh, the compatibility with Azure Arc as yes. well. Because uh, as you know, as you and I know, at least, um, and hopefully our listeners or viewers will uh, start to learn more about Azure Arc. Um, really bridging the management gap between wherever your systems and resources are. So you can manage your hybrid environments. And I'm talking about not just Azure, I'm talking about on-prem, I'm talking about Google Cloud, I'm talking about AWS, or uh, you know Bob's data center. It doesn't matter. Uh, Azure Arc bridges the gap for that and brings everything all together so that uh, you know you can manage all of those resources in one interface. So yeah, it's like a server manager on steroids. Yeah. Uh, it's really fantastic. It so talking about server yeah, manager I know, uh, I'm a, and moving on to the next, well, because then we're going to have like a very long uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> our podcasts are not that small. Or, or, or short, uh, we we do time to to tend to share a lot of our uh, point of view. Moving on to the next one is the boost of performance with Azure Files SMB multi-channel. Uh, this is one of the things that I was expecting a lot of a lot of time, having multi-channel on SMB, um, and now we can have it. Um, it's really cool to have this, right? Absolutely. So, you know, this kind of, um, I think, kind of uh, piggybacking a little bit on the, the high-performance computing, the supercomputing kind of uh, announcements. So more throughput, uh, way higher uh, IOPS, um, and network fault tolerance. Um, that's one of the things that is really critical in all of these applications that run uh, in business today. So we're not talking just about uptime anymore, we're talking about failover. And uh, of course, along with everything in all of these performance improvements, uh, you know, Azure uh, teams are really putting a lot of forethought uh, into the cost optimization. So. In the blog post, they talk about, uh, you know, not just, uh, you remember, well, I want to kind of rewind that statement a bit. So, Marcos, do you remember, let's say, uh, 10 years ago, we would take a physical, uh, let's say it's going to be a database server. And 
that's maybe not a good example, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> so let's say we're going to run SQL Server on it. And uh, average utilization on our physical server is maybe 45%. Well, you know, that's not really an effective use. And that's why I said SQL might be a bad example, because we also have to plan for peak usage <laughs> on SQL. But, uh, you know, an average VM carrying just a business workload, we want to really uh, peg those resources quite a bit higher. So we want to utilize what we're paying for. So we're having hardware, we have disks that are, uh, you know, physically attached to those uh, physical servers back in the day, I'll say. And, uh, you know, we have memory, we may need to have uh, more memory added or whatever. And we have uh, processing. Uh, not only that, we have licensing, both for uh, our Windows server and for whatever software uh, is going to be running as an application or something like that on there. So we want to make sure that we're utilizing all those resources and all those things that we're paying for as a business already. So 45% utilization is not great. We really want to see that over 80, uh, over 90 is even better. Yeah. That way we know we're giving business uh, value and they can see a little bit of return on investment, right? So I want to stay away from some of the acronyms because I've heard a lot of three and four letter acronyms today, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, so this is a good example of Azure thinking about how people can utilize the resources, how businesses, I should say, can utilize resources that uh, they're subscribing yeah. to in Azure. So the cost optimization, better IOPS, better throughput, uh, lower latency, and increased redundancy. So faster, more of it, better service, more reliable, and less cost. Uh, yeah. This is just a huge win. Where did I sign? Right here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. Come on, Microsoft, where's yeah. my uh, where's my referral? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm not we are not paying to say all of good, all these things. This is this is our true. No, actually, opinion. we just yeah, it it's, is. it's fun, right? Because uh, we just we get excited about technology, and you know, as technology evolves and changes uh, over time, um, I find myself getting excited about announcements. Like it, this, it, to be honest, even honest, it's not only the excitement for me that. Um, of course, that excitement is the, is a big part. But one of the things that I, I really drives me is, is we've been on this situation before. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially we that we are architects and we build solutions and we coming as the, let's say, the, the thinkers to, um, to, uh, uh, to organization, right? Uh, we have to propose solution that works and they 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 stay for uh, quite a quite a good time to just recover the the investment right the return on investment that you mentioned and sometimes we're trying to uh, to not overkill because you cannot kill like a fly with a cannonball right uh, but it's not applicable in a lot of times to just deploy for example. A lot of of those uh, awesome uh, soft cluster, the scale out file server clusters that we know that they they can do all of this, 
and Azure file in this case on the storage, now having multi-channel for with the SMB, it just realized that starting we're starting to migrate this right to the cloud. We're starting to have more workloads on the cloud, consuming those files, moving a lot of those file servers to the cloud. And now we're starting to see a bottleneck um, that a lot of people, especially on the VDI world, uh, that they are using very intensively. And especially if you are using uh, VDI on the very high demand, like with graphic interface and yeah. everything else, those files are huge. Those files are ginormous. And you basically are open the file, are editing the file, are committing the file, whatever it are that you are doing. And be able to have all of this first, multi-channel like you mentioned, uh, the IOPS, so the performance, and everything else is going to be really cool, right? Yeah, so I think of uh, you know a number of businesses that I've been involved with over the years, and probably 70%, give or take, have used uh, you know VDI, and of that 70%, almost all of them have used some kind of a designer software like AutoCAD. So those can be very heavy uh, uh, resource-wise uh, on a VDI environment. So the advantage to this, um, I think, it just it continues to grow, yeah, right? So now we can we can use uh, uh, we can use more. Uh, different kind of CAD resources in the BDI environment. We can put less uh, less emphasis on worrying about how many people are logging into, um, for example, our uh, you know a special server for that and routing them, load balancing yeah. all those resources across everything. So it it can get a little bit uh, complicated uh, when we have those high demand users, but. Uh, you know, the increased throughput is really going to be huge for those giant uh, kind of design files yeah. because uh, they're bloody big. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, some, I, I've seen a couple that have been pretty close to a terabyte yeah. and uh, it, it just happens, you know, uh, there's lots of different best practices for that and certainly not to make them that big. Is one. Exactly. <laughs> but, but it does it happen. Does. So uh, again, yeah, all these all these different applications that have these high data throughputs and larger files, uh, even running reports, uh, building those reports uh, out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so many different uh, technologies exactly. that we'll be able to build on top of and run much faster. Really, exciting. really exciting. So let's move on to the last uh, new uh, news that was released uh, this week and talks about the Azure backup for Azure PostgreSQL for a long-term retention. Again, this is a brand new a fixture. It's in preview. These, those are the fixtures that we want to talk about it because they are in preview. Again, once again, I just want to disclaim that if it's in preview, it's not <laughs> to deploy in production. We already talked about that Exactly. several times okay it's just for us to test but it is important it is. because it continue it continues to happen to businesses exactly. right so we get uh we get excited about new technology as does a lot of people and uh you know we have to be aware we should not deploy 
a preview anything in production. First and foremost, because it's not stable, it's in preview, it's not ready for production. Second, because if you do, you will 99% most likely have to redeploy that solution after it becomes production from preview. So uh, there's, uh, you know, lots of other concerns in there, but those are the two biggest ones. And uh, certainly uh, we have to be careful with that. So testing tenants, dev test, whatever uh, it is that you use, uh, non-production wise. But so uh, for PostgreSQL, we do now have a 10 year retention for granular backups and restores, right? And this is, uh, this is pretty exciting because it's, uh, it's a native service it now, is. right? Uh, it's just kind of baked in uh, to the PostgreSQL product. And uh, it makes it easy to consume, easy to use. And when backups are easy to do, that means we're more likely to do them. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and backups, it's, it's always a, a good way to just going into disaster recovery, right? Uh, and that's the part that, um, that, that I like about that, uh, is, is going on, on that, on that perspective, uh, on, on having the disaster recovery and, and everything. So, so yeah, uh, that, that is a very good way to, to segment this and to, to finalize this on that way. Right. Absolutely. So uh, one of the one of the other important things uh, announced in that blog post is that it's a restore anywhere. So you can trigger point in time restore to the source server or any other Azure database for PostgreSQL. And uh, that's actually pretty important because it means we don't have to restore to the same server. I know it's saying it a different way, but uh, it's good to understand that. So, uh, you know, for Microsoft SQL, it's pretty easy to restore to a different server. You're just putting the database in, uh, restoring your log and uh, all of those good things. But uh, for PostgreSQL, it's now quite similar. So we just uh, can restore to the same or to a new server. Uh, very, uh, very cool feature to have in there. And the fact that it's there for 10 years with the long-term retention, uh, that's uh, for me, that's actually quite attractive. Because uh, again, cost control post SQL uh, can be lower cost than some other yeah. solutions for SQL. Or you may have an application that requires you use PostgreSQL for some reason, and you just need to have it. Sure. But uh, now with the long-term retention, it blends in with all of your other solutions. And uh, you know that seven and 10 year standard is really, uh, well, I suppose it's just that it's the standard. Exactly. So, uh, the other thing, <laughs> As I was saying it, it was just kind of came out wrong there, but that's, that's okay. okay. <laughs> no one will listen to this. That's okay. <laughs> so I think the other thing um, for me, the last point I want to talk about under PostgreSQL backup is uh, our back-based access to the database. So it's now uh, it's uh, this new backup feature is also fully Azure AD RBAC compatible. And that's really cool because it means we can assign roles with yeah. it, right? Especially for the DBAs that they want to try to see or, or something like that to just grab a subset of data sets that they want to do it and everything else. We can we don't need to basically restore 
everything and giving like a new server and all of that so we can attach them a group or something like that that then they can belong we can easily move them or something like that yeah totally totally i agree with you so uh it's the end of our uh this weekly podcast unfortunately i know that we have material to talk for hours uh it's our nature uh, but I don't think that the, our listeners will appreciate that. Um, so again, um, Andrew, thank you very much for being part of this. Uh, it started to be our our night, right, uh, before uh, 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 we release this on Mondays. And uh, now we have mm -hmm. this already starting to get a little bit more familiar with these podcasts uh, and everything else. It's starting to be a, get easy and more natural. Um, so once again, thank you, Andrew. Um, our subscribers, please help us grow. Um, give a thumbs up, uh, subscribe, and share uh, if you like the content, and give us feedback. Uh, if you like this new weekly um, way that we are doing this podcast, just give it a thumbs up. Right, Andrew? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, please thumbs up, like it, share it, tell your friends. And, uh, you know, we really hope that you enjoy our content and that uh, you learn uh, maybe just one thing uh, and have a bit of exactly. fun. Uh, I know this is a lot of fun for me. And of course, thank you so much for having me again this You're week. Marcos. Appreciate it. Right.